Hey, Disney fan. Have you ever wanted to know how we make the magic? Or maybe what's happening at Disney every single week? Well, have we got the podcast for you. This is D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. And we are taking you Inside Disney. of D23 Inside Disney. So excited. Good to see you guys. Good to see you guys too. So much to talk about this week and we get to talk to Louis Provost who worked on Maleficent so we're going to get a whole lot of good Maleficent scoop coming out. But I have to admit I spent a significant portion of the weekend binging on Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure on Disney Channel. Oh my gosh. How many (laughs) hours do you think you poured into it? There are 30 minutes. I think I watched four or five episodes. They're so good and you get to hear Mandy and Zach and Jeremy and Eden all sing and I I loved it. I'm I'm obsessed. How cool. Um, Other good animation though onward the new trailer came out yes oh Ooh, I, I cannot wait i'm so excited for that movie Me i love too. chris pratt oh, and, and <laughs> the fun thing was they showed some of the things that they showed us at d23 expo and then wanting to bring the father back and it sent me back to that moment in the expo where i literally was brimming with tears looking at half a person <laughs> <laughs> only pixar Aww. only pixar can they just find the emotion in everything the in heart. literally a pair of legs a pair of legs a pair of legs and i'm gonna cry <laughs> It was so good, so good. And the other big trailer release of last week, Jungle Cruise. So I don't know if you guys caught it, but The Rock went live on his Instagram to reveal the poster, reveal the trailer. And I was there down at Disneyland with the skippers helping him do this huge content drop. And people were so excited. The what, skippers what, what, were... what time did you get down there? I want to, we want details. Okay, so <laughs> it was a pretty early start. So I was there at 6 a.m., nice. which is before Disneyland opens, as we all know. And Disneyland is so different at that time. It is just as magical. It looks brand new. I mean, it's incredible. The sun was rising. There were a lot of birds in the trees. Like, are those real? Are they animatronic? I can't tell. I'm just immersed in this magical world. <laughs> the skippers were there, full of energy. I mean, it was such a cool live stream. The Rock, he has like 150 million followers. Does he on really? Instagram. He's huge. He runs the world. That's almost as many as Candace has. It is, yeah. <laughs> At me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the movie, The Jungle Cruise, looks so good, you guys. Emily Blunt is starring in it with him. I mean, it just makes you want to ride the ride. I love that they use so many references to the attraction, even in the trailer. The backside of water. Yeah. It was so good. I haven't been on that in years, so that I just need to go ride that and come back. Oh, uh, it's oh. full of puns. I'll be I, back, guys. I love Jungle Cruise. <laughs> love it. And a trailer just came out the other day. Yeah. Lady in the Tramp for Disney+. Plus. Oh, I think those dogs were on the red carpet last night, too, of Dancing with the Stars. Oh, were they? Yeah. They're so cute. Just saying. Aww. Yeah, I'm ready for that one. I'm so excited for that movie. I can't wait. I, it. Uh, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. I will be on my couch with a bowl of spaghetti. Me too. I put in a vacation request. I'm not even going to be here that day. (laughs) Speaking of Disney Plus, so it launches in the U.S. on November 12th, which is so soon. And just this week, Disney Plus announced basically everything that's going to be on the service in a series of tweets. There were 630 tweets in this thread. And they've announced everything from classics like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to brand new series like The Mandalorian and everything you can imagine in between. 
a lot of things that fans might not have heard of even. So that's very exciting, like the biscuit eater. I think that's what's going to be great about it. I think at Disney Plus is really going to be a great way to explore things that you might have missed or find treasures that you forgot about. I was thinking Pete's Dragon is a movie that was the first Disney movie I ever saw. And I haven't watched it though in forever. So I can't wait to be able to just stream it like whenever I want. Yeah, Yeah. I'm just going to spend my whole life on there. I'm probably not going to see you guys for a while. (laughs) I'm just going to be home. It's It's kind of sad and exciting. It's a lot of things to watch. There will be about 300 movies and about 7,500 episodes of television on Disney Plus at launch. Oof, that's a lot of binging. We're definitely all going to need a vacation to (laughs) to watch all of that. And we should take a vacation down to Disneyland. You know why? Down. Candlelight ceremony announced. Unlike at Epcot, they only do it two days. And they're going to be doing it on Saturday, December 7th and Sunday, December 8th. And there's a 600-member choir made up of Disney employees and members of local community choirs, including my buddy Becky Klein, the director of the Walt Disney Archives, who she may be coming on the show in a couple weeks. So we'll uh, have her sing. We could have her sing and talk about that. I mean, how amazing is that? singing guest. (laughs) Amazing. Singing interview. Yes. I've seen Dick Van Dyke do it. Wow. I did see Chris Hemsworth do it. It. So many wow. good, like they get some really cool, cool people, but they do it a lot at Epcot. And, and I know there is a lot of music at Epcot. There is. Yes. If you haven't heard, the Disney Du Jour dance parties are happening at the Food and Wine Festival at Epcot. And we just announced the rest of the lineup. It happens through November 23rd. It's all Radio Disney artists. So it's going to be a good time this weekend. NBT alum Jag Mac is going to be performing, but you can see all sorts of artists. Tegan Marie, Kylie Cantrell, who's the star of the new Disney Channel show, Gabby Duran and the Uncitables. Ah. She is incredible live, but she's going to be performing down at Epcot as well. But check out the full lineup at tasteepcot.com. Ooh, I will. Yeah, I don't know how you guys feel about dancing and dance competition. Oh, I love dancing. Yeah, I love dancing with the stars, but there is a new family dance competition series. It's coming to Disney Channel, and it's called Disney Fan Jam. This was announced on the Ellen DeGeneres show, which you guys know she loves to dance. I think mm-hmm. she does that at the start of her show every day. <laughs> but the show is inspired by Phil Wright. He is a choreographer who has the Parent Jam, which is a dance class. It's gone viral, and he's worked with people like Will Smith, TLC, and Lil Nas X, who I love. And if you guys are interested, each episode is going to have two families. They're going to dance three unique dance battles, and somebody is going to be crowned the Disney Fan Jam champ. So wow. this is going to be so Why are you cool. not guest hosting on this? I, ha, tell me why. Tell me why. I'm there. there are going to be mentors on the show as well, so it's going to be fun. They're going to have a live studio audience. So this is something I'm really looking forward to because I need some dance tips. Cool. I'm sure my family's listening right now. Family, we are signing up for this. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to compete. Let's go. (laughs) All right, but Candace, before you lace up those dancing shoes, we have an interview to do. Okay. We're so excited to have Louis Provost, VP of Motion Picture Production at the Walt Disney Company here with us today. And Louis worked on the brand new Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Welcome, Louis. Hey, Louis. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for being here. What exactly do you do for the Walt Disney Company? So I work in the live action division of the studio. So any movie that comes out that is Disney and is live action, so not our animated movies, not Pixar, not Lucas, so movies like Maleficent, movies like Aladdin, uh, Mary Poppins, and Nutcracker that came out in this last year. And so I am one of five executives that works for Sean Bailey, the president of the department, and we oversee the live action films from when they're a nugget of an idea all the way to delivering them to the marketing department. What that means is 
when someone has an idea, and in this instance, Maleficent, you know, someone comes in and says, we think we should be developing a sequel for it. I will have some initial conversations about what the idea might be, how we should approach a sequel. We start crafting a story. And then from once we can sort of get everyone signed off, including my bosses and, the, and, and Alan Horn and Alan Bergman on the idea of developing a sequel, I'm working with our filmmakers, so writers, producers, at a certain point directors, and in this instance, a movie star, to get the script to a place where we're all really excited about making it a movie. So that's reading lots of screenplays, that's working with the writers and producers, giving them my thoughts or asking them questions on how we can sort of craft this script in the best way possible. And then once we get it to a place where the boss is up on high, say, yep, we want to make this movie, then it's working with either getting a filmmaker on the movie and then working with that director through prep through production and post to make sure that the studio gets a version of the movie that we can be very proud about and at the same time at the price that we want to pay for it. That's a good <laughs> I have to cool throw that job. in. I'm technically a suit, so you have to throw <laughs> in like, the price you want it for. Yeah. That's a yeah. pretty cool job. No one gets this job overnight, obviously. So tell us sort of your journey to Disney. Absolutely. Like everybody in Hollywood, I was a history and philosophy major. Not really. <laughs> um, and I sort of discovered my senior year in college after stumbling on a student film set that there were people out there that did this for a living. And so I quickly packed my bags from Chicago and came to L.A. and went to a grad program here at the American Film Institute and sort of got my feet wet, understood the business, worked on a bunch of short films and just fell in love with it. And then I did probably what is considered a pretty traditional route. I had a couple of internships at some studios and for some producers, um, got my first assistant job working for a producer that had a what we call a first look deal here on the Disney lot. And then I jumped, I guess that was about almost 13, 12 and a half years ago, jumped from being an assistant to a producer to being an assistant for an executive here in the live action division and spent a couple years sort of watching how it all gets done from afar. And then when Sean Bailey came over into the department, who is our president of production, had an opportunity to become a junior executive. And so I've spent the last 10 years in that role, working on projects, visiting movie sets, watching what we call dailies. So when a movie is shooting and you're getting footage every single day and reporting back to everybody how the footage looks. And then to a certain point, you get to the role I am currently in where you have a bit more responsibility on how movies are run on a day-to-day basis. Wow. So, so that's, the, that's the quick story. Yeah. That's good. And you've been here, gosh, over a decade. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the most important lessons you've learned here at Disney? The first one, and I think this is part of why I love working at the company so much, is excellence above all else. We really do strive to make every single movie as good as we possibly can. And a part of that is being bold and risky at times. I think we're thoughtful and calculated about some of the story risks we take, but at the same time, if you're not taking risks and you're just doing the same thing over and over again, the stories will start to feel tired. And I think our mm-hmm. audiences will feel that the stories were to, will feel tired. For example, you know, worked on this past summer's live action reimagining of Aladdin. And it would have been very easy to sort of hit the same story beats all the way through, use all the same songs. And we felt it was really important to deliver some new music, some new big ideas. And that's really what 
precipitated Princess Jasmine's song Speechless at the end of the movie. And we knew that it might be a little jarring for audiences, and they're like, oh, we haven't heard this song. Oh, this is new. But at the same time, if you weren't taking a big, bold swing, why do something new with the story? And we think the song turned out fabulous. We think audiences love the song. And so we're really happy we took sort of a bold swing at it. I think the other thing that I've learned over time, and it does take time, I think, to learn this inside the company because it takes time to meet all the people at this giant company, (laughs) is that when you work together, there's a multiplier effect. I think sometimes people think that Disney synergy means that you make a movie and then there's toys to sell. (laughs) <laughs> and certainly, like, that is a great part about the company is that you can experience our stories in a lot of different avenues. You can walk into a store and find your favorite character, or you can go to a theme park and actually engage with your favorite character or ride an attraction. But there's also just teamwork and camaraderie. A great example of that is we have a movie we're working on actually right the second that we're shooting in Atlanta that takes place at Clemson University about a young football player, true story. <clears throat> and we had the opportunity to shoot during a live game at Clemson. We had six and a half minutes to shoot during (laughs) halftime. No pressure. Six and a half minutes isn't enough time to even get your camera rolling normally, (laughs) let alone shoot five and a half, six and a half minutes of footage. And we had as many cameras as we could possibly have to support our team, which was seven. But who broadcasts every single game of Clemson? Well, ESPN and the ACC network does. So ESPN, through all our friendships and partnerships over there, had an additional 15 cameras at the location. So while we only still had five and a half minutes, they couldn't break halftime rules for us. (laughs) They could support us in a huge way. That's the sort of synergy where I think sometimes one plus one equals 10. And the more time you spend here, the more you realize the opportunities to make friends and, and make the stories better. Totally. Wow. That's we talked amazing. about that. We talked about that movie a few weeks ago when we yeah. did it. Yeah. Okay. so good. Can't wait to see it. Right now, we're calling it Safety. So far, we think it's going to be a great movie. We have a great cast. And it's just this uh, amazingly emotional story about this young man who takes on being the father of his younger brother. And it's also wildly funny because he decides to start raising him in the dorms of a college campus. <laughs> so crazy. Like, I can't I, wait for this. I, I can't imagine. If I had a 12 year old brother when I was a freshman in college, I would never not have raised them in my life. <laughs> never, ever, ever. I, lo- I mean, I love that Disney does those movies, though. Everything from Miracle to Queen of Katwe and, and a Million Dollar Arm. Million Dollar Arm, McFarlane, Remember the Titans. I mean, honestly, those were some of my favorite movies growing mm-hmm. up. And so it's exciting to be able to make those movies again. How cool. So what was the first film that you worked on as an executive at Disney? So the first as a junior executive was our Muppets movie. Honestly, the most fun experience I have ever had. I mean, so we shot it here in Los Angeles, which we don't do a lot of movies in Los Angeles. So to actually have a movie down the street means you get to pop in whenever you want. This movie also stars Muppets, not unsurprisingly. (laughs) And so I would go to set and I would be watching puppets perform and I'd go home at night and go, this is my this is my job. (laughs) This is my job. I go and I look at puppets making a movie and I remember one night we were working on this scene and it wasn't quite working and I was really scratching my head I'm like I just don't think Miss Piggy would do this (laughs) and you have to take a step back and go okay (laughs) this is what it's like to work at the Walt Disney Company you stay up late at night worrying about what Miss Piggy may or may not say (laughs) 
love that. That's well, awesome. coming out this week, obviously, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. It's been five years since the original film. So how did this sequel come together? The first movie was an, a very interesting experience for us. I don't think we knew what we had on our hands when it came out. And I think we knew that Angelina Jolie as Maleficent was just perfect casting but in terms of the sort of individual moments in the movie and how it sort of finished out the reception by audiences they just loved it you know it played really well and so this wasn't a movie that we had initially uh, the first film wasn't a movie we built as oh this is a franchise we're gonna do one and two and three it was a we believe this is a really powerful movie and then we were surprised at how much audiences liked it and so not long after the movie came out we started asking ourselves if there was another story to tell. People get up, think that Hollywood's really jaded and it's sort of like, oh, you had a hit. You're absolutely going to make a sequel. <laughs> and sure, that opens the door to making a sequel, but it's not a fait accompli. You have to ask yourself, do we have more questions to ask about these characters? Is there more journey uh, for them to go? Is there something emotional about what's going on? And that's really where the sequel started, is asking ourselves those questions. And it wasn't just the studio, it was also the writer of the original film, Linda Wolverton, and Mr. Lee herself. All of us asking ourselves, is there another emotional story to go on? And the first film was very much about the first stage in a mother and daughter's life. An unconventional mother and daughter, a a fairy godmother in a way, slash villain, and her sort of adopted surrogate daughter that she curses. Um, But it was a beautiful mother-daughter story. And so as we started thinking about it, we said, okay, if that's the sort of beginning of a mother and daughter relationship, what's the next step? of a mother and daughter in relationship. Like as Elle Fanning was 14 years old in the first movie, and this was the first really big movie she'd ever done. And now she's 21 years old and she's done a lot of different movies. And you sort of look at that trajectory and you go, okay, if Aurora now is a a young woman, a young woman who's found someone that she wants to spend the rest of her life with, what's that dynamic when you have almost like an older teenager or at least a young woman and what's, What's the conversations she has with her mother? And that's what really launched us. One of the first scenes that Angelina and Linda pitched us was the dinner sequence. Imagine Aurora is falling in love with the prince and she wants to get married and they're going to get invited over for dinner. That was sort of the cornerstone scene that we latched onto, and we just kept on, okay, what if we did this, and what if we did this, and okay, now we need a villain, and what makes a better villain than a mother-in-law? And so it sort of snowballed from there. Nice. Wow. You mentioned working with Angelina. She's an actor and a producer on the film. What was that like? Angelina is so fiercely passionate. While she's an actor and producer in our film, She's also a director and writer in her own right. I mean, she's a true artist. And a big portion of being an executive is, I'm not the director of movies. I don't write our movies. I don't produce our movies. And I certainly don't star in them. Um, (laughs) And so, but I'm working with all of those people and hopefully not getting too much in the way 
of them making a great movie. And so when you have someone like Angelina, who also had a great collaboration with Linda on the first movie, a little bit of my job is to stoke those embers a little bit and to say, okay, like, what do you think? Like, where do you want to go with this? And let that artistry flourish. I mean, like I sort of mentioned a moment ago, it was their idea to go, okay, what if we did a dinner sequence? And then we said, okay, if they have a big fight there, you know, my question might be like to Angelina, all right, if your character, if Maleficent has just had this big fight with Aurora, like where does she go from there? And sort of let their artistry drive the path forward. And she's fantastic. There's so much of the movie that is inspired by Angelina. First of all, the costumes. She's very involved with the creation of the costumes. And her and our costume designer, Ellen Mirajnik, had worked on prior films together. And so, so many of the costumes you see have to do with Angie in there, in the costuming department, sort of looking at different designs, bringing her own ideas to the table. Two little ideas. I mean, Angie really pushed us on saying, hey, part of what made the first movie so great were those little snippets that reminded an audience about Sleeping Beauty. So how do we infuse a bit more of Sleeping Beauty in this film? And so it was her idea to have the rabbit in Aurora's hand because there was this idea, okay, remember in the first movie all the animals and the boots and the birds putting the cape on Aurora's shoulders? And then from there, one of the things we didn't get to do in the first movie, which is one of my favorite parts of Sleeping Beauty, is the little moments at the end when the three pixies are saying, the dress should be pink, the drink should be blue, the dress should be pink, the the dress should be blue. And that's sort of the credit out on the animated film. And so for us, we twisted it a little bit, but it was fun to have Aurora walking down an aisle and to have our pixies once again saying, no, the dress should be this color, no, the dress should be this color. (laughs) And that was driven by her instincts as well. And so she's so passionate about this character from what I remember her kids are very passionate about her in this role and so I think she has a really good time with her and her family and some level I mean I think three of her children were actually in the first movie her youngest played baby baby Aurora for a couple of scenes and then a couple other of them had uh, small you know extra roles inside the christening scene and so it's a family affair and I think she loves the role so much I mean I've heard her say on the press tour multiple times I just love putting on the horns <laughs> and I think she does yeah. I think she does can I just say it is so cool that you get to call her Angie <laughs> <laughs> you started out with Miss Jolie and then it turned yeah. into Angie so you guys are super tight I think yeah I that's tell. a level of maybe I'm, maybe I'm over Stepping my bounds, and maybe I should go back to Miss Jolie. Doesn't but sound no. like it. But no, Angelina is very. She's passionate about the movie. She's a real artist, and we we couldn't do it without her. I genuinely couldn't imagine anyone else in the horns. Wow. So, in addition to Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, and live action Aladdin, which you mentioned earlier, how do you go about taking a classic beloved film and adapting it for the current day audience while still staying true to the original story? I think we do a couple of things, and I I will say I'm also fortunate a little bit. So, for example, on Aladdin, there was an easy north star for me on that film in terms of working with the filmmakers and our director as we developed the script and actually made the movie. Like, what was our creative north star? And the creative north star was, when I was 12 years old, I had the Aladdin clamshell. I watched that movie over and over and over again. And so I knew the movie really well. I knew the parts I loved. I knew the jokes that audiences would want to see. I'm also not 12 years old anymore. I'm an adult and I can look at the movie from a different perspective. And the animated movie had Jasmine sitting around waiting 
to be married. I don't think we have any problem with people wanting to get married or aspiring into it, but we felt like she wanted something a little bit more, and we thought yeah. that she could chase something more. And so I, I don't remember who had the idea, but at some point someone said, like, well, what if she wanted to be sultan? You know, why does she have to marry someone to be sultan yeah, so she can be married to sultan? Like, why can't <laughs> she be sultan? Why can't that she but she wanted? And we sat there and go, okay, does that upend the movie anyway? Does that change the movie? No, it felt like it um, added another layer, it added another texture, and it brought Princess Jasmine from 1992 into 2019. And so that's something we think about a lot with the fairy tales, is that you look back at some of them and you go, is this a theme for a modern audience, or can we tell this story and think about it in new and modern ways and just say something a little different? And I think when we get it right, I think it really sinks. Some other fun characters who've worked with dogs, Togo, and presumably Reindeer in Noel. Both of them are coming to Disney+. Plus. Can you talk a little bit about how Disney Plus is really going to change the way that we we are making movies and the way that the guests are going to be enjoying them? So first, the way we're making them, I think the best part is that we're not making them any differently. You know, the movies that we are making for Disney Plus require no less attention to detail, no less passion, no less talent. They are movies that I think all of us would have made for the theaters. And Disney Plus is giving us a different opportunity, but the bar and the ambition for these films and the quality of them are no different than when we go off and make Aladdin or Maleficent. I I do think that we are seeing a difference in theaters, you know, in terms of what audiences want to go see in a movie theater and what they want to go see at home Mm -hmm. and that is where a movie for instance like Togo Togo was a script that I thought we would we might make for the theaters you know it's a big adventure there's epic landscapes and so when Disney Plus came around and they were saying hey we want you to make some live action films for the launch of the service the first thing I, I said was well we have to talk about Togo like we have to talk about Topo. We have this fabulous script. And so that for us is really exciting. There are movies that these days are harder to succeed in the marketplace. And there are a lot of movies we, we made that we're really proud of. You mentioned Queen of Cotway earlier. Like Queen of Cotway is a movie that I was so proud of. And I think it's tough for those movies to succeed in the marketplace. But I think on Disney+, Plus, especially with a Disney audience that I think really loves those sorts of movies, it's an opportunity to bring them films that they might not go see in a marketplace, in the in the theater on a Friday night, but they're going to be really excited to watch them at home, and they're going to find that they're basically getting a theatrical experience at home, because we're not making them any different. We want them big, we want them awesome, we want them fun, we want them emotional, we want to deliver on the quality of Disney. Wow. Well, November 12th is just around the corner. Absolutely. (laughs) Louis, we end every interview with asking what your favorite Disney memory is. There used to be a program, I don't know if they still do it, but there used to be a program at the Walt Disney Company called Disney Way One. And it was for executives, and it's sort of an intensive 48 hours into the Walt Disney Company. You go over to animation and understand how, you spend an hour with animation, and this is how they make animated movies and you talk with a senior executive there and you go over to ABC. So the first day is all, this is how the comp- the big arms of the company works. That's how books are published. This is how we make our toys. And so you get a one day really immersive bird's eye view of the company. And then the second day you get to go to the park 
and you start at 7 a.m. in Anaheim and you start to get a behind the scenes of this is how the park works. This is behind the scenes of the restaurants. This is behind Whoa. the scenes of the stores and the costume design and the some of the attractions. And it culminates in what they used to call the character experience. And so you are trained for an afternoon as one of the characters to go out in the park. Wow. And you have 15 minutes. And so you have, you have an outfit. You learn their autograph. On both hands, by the way. You have to be able to autograph <laughs> wow. the left and the right hand. Their personality, their movements. And then you go out into the park for 15 minutes as a character. With a full, wow. you know, it's not like Disneyland's empty. It's a full <laughs> Disneyland. And You're you on, are out there. <laughs> interacting with the guests. Not to bury the lead, I was a very, very famous character named Liverlips from the Country Bears. Country Bears. (laughs) I can't say I thought it was the best casting for me. I felt like I was more a Tigger. um, And someone else got Tigger. I think I might have been the wrong height for Tigger, but, you know, I wasn't going to turn down the role in the play. Nothing wrong with Liverlips. No, no, exactly. (laughs) And I got to go out and interact with a bunch of kids and sign a bunch of autographs. And... It was probably the first time in my tenure at Disney where I really got plugged into a Disney fan's eyes, like really being inside their experience, like watching these kids come up and hug you and take pictures and have the autograph books and the pins. And it was a truly memorable experience that I'll never forget. And it really shapes how I think about working at the company. And it's an experience that I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do. Can you still do the autograph for Liver Lips for us? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, without being in the costume itself, okay. <laughs> I, I don't have my furry hands. I don't know if it would look as good. Fair enough. Well, congrats on everything. We're so excited about Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, this weekend in theaters and everything coming on Disney+. Plus. So thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks, Thank, Thank you. Thank you. So fun. Well, Louie, sounds like he has the coolest job in the world. One of the coolest jobs in the world. So <laughs> nice. And from so, ours. like, great stories. Yes. So, I could talk to you for three hours, probably. <laughs> I'm going to just go to his office. We got to end the podcast. Free. I'm going to go to Louie's office, get more stories. Louie! <laughs> <laughs> Remember me from the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, for more Disney news, don't forget to check out D23.com and tune in next week for another episode of D23 Inside, Inside Disney. Disney.